We've just spent our own time and money taking 14 flights going to three conferences over five weeks in Southeast Asia. We've met people, we've attended talks, we've networked, we've done masterminds, and in today's episode, we're going to attempt to answer these questions. Are conferences worth your time and money? Welcome to the Authority Hacker Podcast, the place to learn field-tested, no BS tactics to growth hack your online business, and finally, live life on your own terms. Now, your host, Gael and Mark. Hey everyone, the entire Atari Hacker team is back in Budapest as Mark just flew back. How was your flight, Mark? It was good. I seven hours on the plane and I have no jet lag. That's why I really hate you. Because like <laughs> every time I travel, I'm like really, really jet lagged. It's kind of good when you come back from Asia to Europe though, because you just end up waking up really early, which is nice. It's very productive. I actually tried yeah. this uh, time shifter app, which I highly recommend. Uh, you put your flight details in and it gives you like a sleep schedule for a couple of days before and after the, the flight. And I followed that as best as I could. And it really worked. Yeah, I mean, I tried it and it didn't work for me. So I guess I'm just bad at it. But anyway, this is not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about fighting your jet lag. We're talking about whether conferences are worth your time and money. So we actually went through a long trip in Asia. I was there for five weeks and Mark was there for two weeks. He just came at the end, but I spoke at a conference called DMSS in Bali. I also spoke at DCBKK, which is a conference organized by the Tropical MBA. And we both just attended the Chiang Mai SEO conference by uh, Matt Digiti and just met a lot of you guys, actually. We're going to talk about this a little bit more, but it was a little bit overwhelming. But one thing that we want to talk about for everyone that's listening to this podcast is, is this worth your time? Is this worth your money? Or should you do something else instead with these resources? So I think... Before we jump into this, for the people that are not familiar with the way most conferences run, I think, Mark, it would be nice if you gave them kind of a breakdown of the type of things and events that happen at these conferences. Yeah, so I'll talk about the different types of conferences, and there are many ways to categorize it, really. But you have kind of generalist or like broad conferences which try and appeal to digital marketers or you know people working remotely which is a huge cross-section of people who have many different specialist interests so those kind of conferences often attract big names and kind of like big ticket speakers on the main stage people everyone will have heard of but you know not all of the content and all the talks is is relevant to everyone then you have sort of what i call like closed group conferences that's like dcbkk is a perfect example of that essentially as a mastermind you have to apply you have to join you have to go through a vetting process and i think you have to be recommended by someone one or two people in order to to get in and the idea is that everyone's a lo- location independent online entrepreneur which is still quite broad but there's a few kind of threads of interest within the dc there's a lot of people doing fba there's a lot of people doing seo online courses and so there's kind of segments of people like that really you can't just buy a ticket to this conference and show up uh, you need to already be in the group this is their kind of like once a year mega get together really but one thing that i would like to precise on this is like when you say closed group people would imagine it's like a tiny group but actually it was really big it was like there was this it was the second biggest one that i went to i think chiang mai it was bigger but overall like there was hundreds of people showing up it's not yeah, a small the dc conference. has i think well over a thousand people in it now and yeah, that's it's a big conference at a big hotel in a big city. So it's they only have like a big one like this once a year, but 
it does attract attracts a lot of people. And the other type of conference would be like Chiang Mai SEO, which is a specialist topic conference. So every single person there was interested in, like very interested in SEO. You had lots of people who had authority sites, you had people running agencies, you had people running link building service companies, you had in-house SEOs from big companies like Agoda. I think there was even a guy from Google there as well. That's the rumor. It feels like it's the rumor that's happening every time they're in this conference. Like, oh my God, there's a guy from Google spying on us. <laughs> I've talked to some people, I'm not going to name them, but they were literally putting their phone on plane mode because they were afraid <laughs> Google would like track their location and de-index their website well, or something. That's quite funny. It's heavily focused on SEO, which I thought was great because you just got to talk to, about SEO all day and everyone was interested in it. But you also within that had a lot of people who were like, heavy heavy into like gray black hat kind of stuff and you had people on the opposite end of the spectrum who were just super white hat so that was kind of interesting within these conferences themselves though they have different formats but more or less the same kind of things within them so you know the main main things are the actual conference talks often though those will be on the main stage usually 45 minutes to an hour something like that Sometimes you have questions at them, sometimes you won't. Some conferences have what they call like breakout groups or different tracks where for a certain part of the day, there'll be a choice of things you can go and see and they'll maybe be in smaller smaller rooms at the side and there'll be a little bit more interaction with the actual speaker in those. I think yours is one of those at, at DCBKK. Yeah, both in DCBKK and in, in Bali. But I personally liked this better because it feels like you have more control over what you're seeing. Whereas just when there's one main stage, I would say maybe like 50% is interesting. The other 50% is like a lot, completely unrelated to what you do. So yeah. Yeah. I imagine as well, like everyone who came to your talk about funnels was probably very interested in funnels as well. So there's maybe a bit bit of better engagement there. So you often have those at conferences. Chiang Mai SEO did not have those. It's worth pointing out. Um, and then there'll be other kinds of events and meetups kind of like prior or after sometimes the, the conference, usually prior to the conference. DCPKK is quite famous for that. They even started kind of organizing these meetups more officially this year, I, I believe. But for like two or three days before, there'll be all sorts of meetups about all sorts of, I think there's like... I even thought it was the conference at the beginning, you know, so it's very well organized now. It's exactly the same rooms as the breakout sessions. So it's it's feels like a one-week conference, actually. Yeah, and then within the conference itself, there'll be kind of a little bit of commercial activity going on in terms of you, you may have sponsors who will you know, have their name up and maybe uh, there'll be like a, a guest appearance where the sponsor will do a, a mini talk or something. Often, Usually Empire Flippers, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Often they sponsor parties. So opening parties, closing parties, basically, I, I believe, pay for all the beer that, that gets drunk at those. And uh, there's usually a lot. So uh, I assume that's quite pricey. But yeah, it's in uh, Chiang Mai SEO as well. They, they had booths, so like Ahrefs and a couple other companies had... Uh, booths outside so between the talks when everyone was you know getting a coffee or having a bit of food then you know you could go and see their products and services and, and that it's not really they're not really trying to hard sell you in any way it's more just a, a kind of exercise in branding and usually they they give give away a bunch of free swag i say that as there's a empire flippers uh. usb drive sitting on my desk right now 
so yeah, I mean, that's kind of like what happens within the conference itself. Uh, we'll talk about networking in a second, but usually outside of that, there's a lot of cool stuff that goes on kind of unofficially, just the, the conferences tend to be focused around a hotel or a specific venue. And when you have so many people interested in the same thing or, you know, with that thing in common, you know, you find yourself going for impromptu lunches or meeting people at the breakfast table or going out for a few drinks afterwards with, with people who you didn't really know before that day, even sometimes. And for me, at least I think that's kind of almost the best part of the, the conference, really that we'll get to that. Working. We'll get to that. Yeah. I think one thing you didn't talk about is masterminds. Every conference runs masterminds. So we didn't go to the one in the mastermind in Chiang Mai, but I've been to the one in DCPKK not this year, a couple of years ago. And uh, it's really good. So basically the day before, usually before the conference, there'll be what they call a mastermind. Sometimes it's included in the ticket. Sometimes it's cost extra. And basically you get split into groups of between five and 10 people, depending and you will usually have a kind of hot seat where you go around and everyone talks about a problem or a couple of problems they have in their business, and then everyone else kind of throws ideas at them and, and chips in. If you're a solopreneur, you know you don't have a business partner, this is really, really invaluable because it gives you a chance for other entrepreneurs, many of whom have you know experienced the same kind of problems that, that you're you're going through to kind of chip in and, and give some advice. And it's just really good to get uh, that kind of outside opinion for a change. So, yeah, I don't know what you what you think about the, the masterminds. I did the one in Bali. It, it was good. But the thing is, like, the it really depends on which table you get seated at. And I think we're just going to jump into the value of each thing right now. I think it makes the most sense. So, personally, it's like that when I was sitting in Bali, there was, like, a girl running a church in Indonesia sitting together with a guy that runs a massive company that sells, like, 200 million plus euros per year of phones. Uh, so really huge market, but um, small margins. So he had to like, you know, make strategic marketing choices and it was really interesting to talk to him. So it really depends who you're sitting with. Uh, I personally believe still that there is more value in the masterminds than there is in the talks, for example. I feel like the, because it's going to be more tailored to you, because it's going to be more practical, you will pick up tactics that people, people will share. So I shared a bunch of like email marketing tactics we do, et cetera, with the girl who runs the church. And I think that can help, actually. I think they can get a lot of donations. Same with these guys who run the, the phone company, et cetera. It was really interesting. And just overall, what it does is it shows you behind the scenes of people's businesses. And that alone is going to give you a lot of ideas of things you could do, et cetera. Personally, for example, one thing that I've realized talking to a lot of people is that I am absolute crap at delegating work. I mean, Mark knew that, but I needed to realize it from other people. So the same way when your mom gives you advice, you just don't listen to her and then someone else says it and you just do it. Yeah, but this is this is a really important point though, because you know, I've been hammering that home to you for quite quite some time, but you didn't listen really. Um it almost but when you have like several other people who have successful, sometimes more successful businesses than us, kind of saying the same thing, you, you start to pay a bit more attention to it. So it's getting that kind of like aha moment where you realize something you've done wrong or you can improve on. One thing like that, if you actually go back, go back home and change that in your business, it can really transform the company massively, really. 
Yeah, so this is the kind of stuff you get from masterminds. And and once again, it's really hard to quantify. You might get them, you might not get them. And and I feel a lot of the value in conferences, a lot of things we're going to talk about in this podcast, they're going to come to that. They're going to come to these these weird things that just pop up from one element or the other. But for everyone, it's going to be different. And at the end, I'm going to talk about several people that I've met, a bunch of Atari Hacker Pro members especially, and how they got value from going to these conferences and you see it's vastly different. So, you know, for me, this was quite interesting. If we zoom back to the talks and the value, is it worth it or not? For me, I think it's okay, but very often, a lot of things that were talked about on stage, there were nothing that hasn't been published on the best online marketing blogs, or on YouTube, or on podcasts, etc. There was a little bit, like maybe I would say 10, 15% of information was new, but the rest, honestly, I've heard it before. So if you're looking for new information in talks, mm, you can probably find it online. But as I say, still, there are some gems. 10, 15% of the information I got from that was pretty cool. Another thing that is okay, but a little bit disappointing, the same way as it works for podcast interviews. So if you're a podcast listener, you must be because we're already 14 minutes in. Then, you know, a lot of pro speakers essentially disguise their talks as a way to sell their product or promote what they do because conferences don't actually pay you to be a speaker, or most of them don't. Even for like main stage speakers at the biggest conferences, really like they pay for your hotel room, things like that, but they don't actually pay you. So the way this business works is that speakers need to kind of make sales from their talks. And as a result, some of the most popular speakers that you might see on the headline of a lot of conferences, they really like, they will give you good value. I'm not saying that, but it's still designed to attract you into their funnel, which makes sense because they don't get paid for it. I do think the best bits for the talks come in the Q&As, especially if you are, you're able to ask very pertinent questions or challenge some views, etc. That's why it's really cool. Yeah, I, I also wanted to add that while you may read some of the you know information on that person's blog or they published, they talked about it before, one thing about the talks is you're in a room for 45 minutes, an hour, and you basically have to listen to that person. You have to give your undivided attention and really take it in because there's nothing else to do during that time. Whereas it, with a blog post, you can get distracted, you can click away, you can stop reading halfway through, that kind of thing. You know, although not all talks are amazing, you certainly do take them all in, which you can't be can't be said for uh, for other yeah. content online. And really, really, some speakers do put the effort in putting something really original out there. I mean, I'm speaking, thinking especially about uh, Matt Digiti. I think he did a really, really good talk in Chiang Mai, and uh, it was original information. You cannot find that on his blog, etc. I think Charles Froth also did a good job at that. I think Shane from Thrive Teams in DCPKK was probably one of my favorite talks of all the things I've done. And uh, Cal Roof in uh, DMSS Bali, when he talked about ranking lower and some pages. And we're going to try to get most of these people on the podcast, by the way, guys. There were some really good talks, but I can probably count them one or two hands out of like the, essentially, I don't know if you add up everything. I haven't seen hundreds, but there has been, there has been hundreds at all if you add up every event I've attended. So that's my feeling. But one part that we haven't talked about in the breakdown of the things that happen in these conferences is that there is usually a 15 minutes break between talks. It's a great time to meet people and actually get information. Personally, that was almost my favorite part. Very often, I would just take a break on my laptop and just go and hang out at the break. And even when Mark and I were sometimes skipping a talk because it wasn't relevant to what we do, we would always go down to the essentially just outside the conference room to just go and talk to people between talks because really between people are just drinking a coffee and they, they came here and they spend their own money to meet other people. So 
it's really easy to just turn around and say hi and everyone's just going to be talking to you and that's where you meet pretty cool people so like i mean i don't want to name him but i've met for example the owner of uh, runnerclick.com which is a site that we've mentioned a lot as like a good example of a stage one authority site probably one of the best ones out there and and a few others just just by hanging out in corridors between talk what's also good is like the talk that you've seen before even though sometimes it wasn't brand new information it kind of like creates a context through which you can talk about that topic to anyone that comes out of the talk so let's say you saw a talk on i don't know like on page audits then you know you go like i was hanging out quite a bit with tim solo from hrs and we just go and we just talk about that topic and usually really good information came out of that so if you're interested in the topic, it's actually a really good tip to go and hang out between the talks before and after and talk about that topic to the people around there because based on the information given in your talk, it gives you a good boilerplate to start debating about the topic and, and people share their tips and tricks, basically. So my preconception of, of networking at, at conferences was probably not really what happens at, at most conferences, at least. And I want to caveat this by saying I've never been to a conference in the US, which I believe is like a bit of a different vibe. So that may, may be a bit different there. However, I was expecting people to be like, you know, hey, here's my business card, you know, super cheesy kind <laughs> of like less network kind of thing. But it, it's, and I, I feel very, I guess, uncomfortable with that in that kind of environment. I, like, I, I don't like that kind of thing. But most of the conferences I've been to have been quite sort of, say like natural in the way that people connect. I think what you said about having that shared context, i.e. the previous talk to have a discussion with some random person is good. And another another good thing if you're if you're not good at remembering people's names, most people most times at conferences they'll have a like a neck, like a tag what do you call it? lanyard with like their name and their company or something like that so you can kind of like remember people's names and you can kind of see oh that person works for such and such and and that can be quite quite handy as well yeah talking about business cards i have about 20 of business uh cards from greg from empire football these guys just (laughs) i don't know what the budget is in business cards but it's fucking crazy (laughs) anyway Let's talk about uh, events now. I think that's the one part that we haven't talked about. We've talked about masterminds, we've talked about talks, and we've talked about hanging out between in the corridors, which is actually, for me, the highest value so far. But I think the events are also very interesting because the events, first of all, people drink. So <laughs> it means that they, they loosen up a lot more than they would during the conference. The conference is a bit more tightened up and you know people preserve their appearance and so on and want to look cool but then you go at, you go in a bar or something and just because the ambience is so much more casual there's music people are drinking people all that i did find that people just let a lot more stuff slip than they would between the talks yeah. about what they do and uh it's very interesting because if that's where you get the most quote-unquote insider information on things like niches on link building tactics and like you know oh this guy he's done that or whatever like if someone says something that's not true whatever you'll find it out by someone else there etc my advice if you want to get most of the value out of these events is literally to go out there and drink water and like listen to people but uh, that sounds a little bit sneaky now now that i've said that and thousands of people will listen to it uh, <laughs> everyone's gonna watch me when i go to these things but hey i just say what i think on this podcast that's what i do but I do think they're like mini casual masterminds as well. I've met some really successful people. Also, one thing that's interesting is a lot of people that attend these events outside, they're not necessarily even, they don't even have a ticket to a conference for many of them. 
but they just came because they found the best value was actually in these kind of mini events outside. And so you will meet a, a broader crowd than you would meet at the event itself. So it's quite interesting to, to meet even more people and do even more networking. What do you feel about the events? Yeah, so I think it depends on the, the, the conference. I remember at DCPKK, like everyone at the events was at the conference itself. Chiang Mai SEO was a bit different. I think partially because it sold out quite early and there was, was like a lot of people who couldn't get tickets. And plus Chiang Mai is, I think it's just a, a place where a lot of people interested in SEO live anyway. So they showed up for that. I like them a lot. I think before you get to the, because they're before the conference, it's a really good way to meet people. And then you can kind of like sort of become friends with people throughout the, the conference in the daytime. Bonding over a few beers is, is is great. I actually stopped drinking in August completely. So that was kind of a, a bit Following of a, a really heavy wedding. Yeah. So that was kind of a, and not mine, but someone else's. It was kind of a really interesting experience being completely sober at that. So kind of like I saw like a lot more, I guess, truth than uh, most people would typically reveal during the day. So what's the truth? No, I mean, honestly, it's nothing, nothing crazy. But like, I was quite surprised the amount of like personal gossip and stuff going on. That was quite funny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, in general, the, the pre-conference meetups, pre-conference events, really good. Sometimes as well. Sometimes they are just, hey, let's let's have a few beers and hang out. In which case, you'll have different crowds of people. There'll be like the hardcore drinkers who are, you know, buying shots of tequila at 8 p.m. Usually a lot of... Usually British people. A lot lot of British, a lot of Scottish people there, yeah. And then sometimes it's more, hey, let's meet in a coffee shop and discuss cryptocurrency investment or something which is almost like unrelated to the, the conference itself directly, but still kind of interesting. So, yeah, it's worth arriving at a conference two, three, four days even before the the conference in some cases. First, it'll help you combat jet lag if you can't sleep on the plane like Gail. And second, it'll give you a chance to go to all these meetups and meet people. I would also say that it's not even like the official meetups, but for example, if you're staying at the hotel where the conference is, like going for breakfast, you know, most hotel breakfast finish at like 10 a.m. or something. So going for breakfast in the morning, you can usually meet a lot of people there as well and kind of get networked that way too. I was so jet-lagged, I usually woke up way before most people. And so as a result, it's like it didn't help me that much. But I guess I guess it works for you, Mr. No Jetlag anyway. Yeah. Anyway, if you had these four things, right? You have talks, you have hanging out in corridors between talks, you have masterminds, and you have events. Which one is the most, like, can you order them from the most valuable to the least valuable? Yeah, I would say events, hanging out in corridors. That sounds so weird. Masterminds then then talks in that order. And you'll notice that the first two there are much more heavily sort of around networking. And that's really what that reflective of my view of conferences. I feel like the best value, the real value in them is not the talks themselves, but the the networking and what you can get out of that. We're not, neither of us are particularly good networkers. We're not kind of outward going salespeople in that sense, but still, I think every conference I've been to have gotten something good out of it in, in that regard. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I've even talked to like some professional conference goers. They don't even go to the talks. They just, they literally just attend the social events. I'm not saying that's what you should do. There's some good ones, as I said. Yeah, these are people who go to like, 15 conferences a year or something like that and they've probably seen a lot of the people talk before and 
But since we were talking about events, let's talk about what happened for the Atari Hacker Meetup. And since we were really, really smart during that time, we didn't take any photo. <laughs> I wish we did. But essentially, we did organize an Atari Hacker Meetup the day before the Chiang Mai SEO conference. And to be honest, at the time, we were not sure anyone would show up. We were like, I don't know. And we just posted on Facebook. I think we mentioned a few places. I think we ran Facebook ads to our email list that is in Chiang Mai. So we crossed these two for people to show up, etc. But it was not really something official uh, normally. And actually, over 200 people ended up showing up. So that was a little bit uh, overwhelming. And I'm sure a lot of people that were there will uh, be listening to this podcast. So thank you for showing up. It's one thing that we've realized a bit in, uh, in this trip is like actually a lot more people than we thought know what we do, which was uh, very humbling. Something I was saying to Gail as well when we were actually going home that night, very tired, is that it's easy to look at analytics or you know podcast download numbers and you see a number and you just sort of think of that as a number. But when you actually meet hundreds of people, it's kind of like it puts a face to it, a name to it. And it's like, oh, those are each one of those numbers is actually like a real person. And I know that sounds kind of obvious saying it, but kind of drove it home in a different sort of way there. One thing I will say about the organizing meetups is just be a little bit careful and also respectful of the conference organizer in that case, because if you go and just try and organize a, a, a meetup the day before the conference when you know some other things are scheduled, maybe official events or something like that, then you can some conference owners can I guess it didn't happen to us, but I guess feel a bit that you're encroaching on what they're doing and trying to capitalize on that. So we we actually, our initial plan was to uh, to have this as just like a dinner. We thought there'd be like five, 10 people show up or something. And then we we sort of checked with uh, Matt Diggity, who's the, the organizer of Chiang Mai SEO conference of what his event schedule was. And there was nothing scheduled the day before. So we were able to sort of plan ours there. And after we realized how many people were going to show up, we... I think the dinner would have been a bit crazy. Yeah, we found a location in a, in a bar. It was cool. Yeah. Uh, what was really humbling for me is to see, like, I've met a lot of people that were like, oh, I'm listening to podcasts and reading the blog posts. Even some people that are not even H4 members and and getting, you know, to like five figures a month, et cetera, with that site. And made me really happy, actually. Like, the one thing I want with Atari Hacker is doing stuff that actually works for people. So, yeah, the people that came up to us telling us their stories, et cetera, was, it was really interesting and uh, made me really happy actually about that. So, yeah. There were so many people there. Uh, there were, okay, we say 200 people showed up. There were some people for sure who were, had not, not followed Authority Hacker, but they were just coming because it was an event the night before the conference. So let's sort of caveat that as it will. But there was, there was quite a few people as well who I know didn't get a chance to, to sort of meet us and talk to us. So I don't know, hopefully we can we can organize uh, another one next year and maybe a little bit better organized as well, get a chance to, uh, to to meet some more people that way. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about this, but it's possible. Let's talk about speaking at conferences as well, because I got lucky enough to be invited to talk at two of the three that we attended, DMSS and DCBKK. We'll see what happens next year. I don't really want to say anything until anything's planned, maybe more, maybe less. But it was interesting. It was an interesting dynamic as well. Definitely being a speaker made meeting people easier for me. I'm naturally quite introverted. And so that made people introducing themselves to me and all just turning around to people and saying hi a lot easier. 
I think you said like it raises your profile. What do you mean by that? So just in the industry. So you start speaking at a bunch of different conferences. It's kind of like it's a set of credentials. It's it's authority, really. If other people are inviting you to do this, and you must know what you're talking about. Therefore, to the average you know person on the street who who you know is discovering Authority Hacker or whatever brand for the first time, it's it's kind of raises the profile a bit in that way. Yeah, fair enough. Also at the conference, like when you're a speaker, people just check what you do a, a bit more. But I do think actually becoming a speaker is not very hard as long as you do something interesting, even if you're like in-house SEO or something like that, but you're doing something interesting. I think most conferences are quite open to like valuable speakers. There's definitely room for good people still in this market. I want to add to that. So you said earlier about not getting paid. I think there are certainly kind of A-listers. Like if Tim Ferriss gets invited to a conference, most likely he's going to get paid for it. I think a a misconception that a lot of people have is that, you know, you need to be at that level to speak at a conference. But that's not really true. There are a lot of people at a much, much, much lower level who are speaking and that they're able to do that sometimes on the main stage, but often at the like breakout rooms as well. It tends to be kind of like the newer people to speaking or the like less well-known people not always true but like in these these side rooms but what that means is that there's really an opportunity for anyone any level to kind of break in if you have something interesting to say and you know maybe you've done some talks online or you have a youtube channel or a podcast or something generally if you do that then people are going to be interested in in having you along to their conference the the organizers they work hard to find you know good people with something good and interesting to say. They're not waiting for Tim Ferriss to return their their call. Really, they're it's basically it's more accessible than you think. Is what I'm trying to say here. Yeah, it's a good way to, especially if you're getting started in growing an audience. Then I think it's it's quite powerful because I think it can build like it's not going to build a large crowd around you, but it's going to build a highly engaged crowd around you. And that's going to help, you know, share any content you put online later, et cetera, et cetera. Another thing I want to say is that if it was interesting to be a speaker, and honestly, I don't really have enough content to make a whole podcast, I might as well just throw it in here. I would say as well that there's a degree of network that helps with getting a slot. So I was lucky enough to know a bunch of people, like, for example, for the DCBKK, I met the guys that organized the... Dynamite Circle event in uh, Budapest when it happened. I just came for the drinks, etc. And then I met the people responsible for it. And then I think the new Atari hacker. And then I quickly got invited because, well, I came out to hang out with people. And it feels like that's another example of value you can get from hanging out at live events. And that's why if that is something that you're interested in, just even just attending the event you want to speak at the year before as an attendee, and then just networking with the people that organize it, which they are much more accessible than you think as well. They're not VIPs, et cetera. Then it's definitely possible. So, I mean, I have an example of that. So I think you mentioned him earlier, but uh, Ryan, who is doing SEO at agoda.com. If you don't know Agoda, Agoda is like the main competitor to booking.com. So they're number two in the industry, but it's a huge site with you know, millions and tens of millions of visits per month, actually. Also, interestingly, I think they're both owned by the same company now. But uh, yeah. Yeah, okay. So he does really cool stuff with SEO. So like because he has access to so much traffic, he can do like A-B testing with custom CDNs and then test which title tags get the higher click-through rate and you know do on-page tests and get very granular information and so on. So he has really cool stuff to share. And I think he said yes to get on a podcast as well. 
and he might share a few things. Like, I don't want to say anything now. Whenever it comes, we'll see what we get. But essentially, that guy just attended conferences this year. And, but because he has such an interesting profile and he introduced himself to most conference owners slash organizers, I would say it's very, very likely you'll see him speak at them next year. And I think that's something he wants to do mostly to recruit people. And so, yeah, it's a good example of someone that just does something interesting, shows up, networks with people, and most likely will be uh, like maybe even a, a main stage speaker at several conferences next year. Oh, I also wanted to ask you something, Gail, about your talks there. So you've done a fair bit, not a massive amount, but a fair bit of public speaking before at meetups and events and some universities and stuff in the past. And I'd say you're relatively confident at, at speaking in public. I don't, I don't think you have any kind of fear of it. I know a lot of people... It seems to be quite. I did. I did bad in Bali, actually. I, I think I could have done a better job in Bali, but I think I fixed it a lot in uh, Bangkok in DCBK. My question is, what does it take to be a good speaker at a conference? Ah, <laughs> uh, come on! This is, I'm not the person to ask. I think I did okay. I did okay, but uh, I still have a lot of work to do. I think mostly. I mean, honestly, for me, it's content, right? It's like, especially if you're like an introvert person and you like. It's like, I'm okay at speaking, but I could be better. And I know that. But what I did is I just doubled down on content, right? So I actually did what I wanted from most talks, which is put original content that hasn't been put out there, that you can't Google, that you can't find on our blog, etc. And I think a lot of people were very appreciative of that. And I think one thing that really resonates with the audience based on the feedback I got is real-life examples and real-life case studies. Because a lot of the talks, especially because you're presenting on PowerPoint, and it's kind of a point we make when we sell our courses as well, is they're, they're abstract. Like you, you watch the talk and then you're not exactly sure what to do. Whereas I was trying in my content to put screenshots and same kind of content you find on Atari Hacker or on Atari Hacker Pro on the Atari Site system, like real life tiny tips and tricks that you can just take a photo of the slide, apply to your business and get like a 1% boost to what you're doing. So I feel like the applicability of your content being close to real life really does help. And what's nice is you can do that before you start talking. So you can, if you put the work in before, even if your delivery is not the best, your content will kind of like save you on that. Then after that on delivery, to be honest, I mean, as you can hear right now, I speak way too fast. So learning how to speak not too fast is definitely a skill that, you know, people who think really fast must master and just I think a lot of it's down to like practice, yeah, timing, because you have a pretty strict time slot in, in most of these uh, uh, conferences. Yeah, 40 minutes, 45 minutes, yeah. Yeah, so actually giving your presentation to someone else or to a mirror with a stopwatch, something like that, will, will, will help a lot. I think you said that the more times you, after the first one, you practiced a bit more, and then the second time you delivered it was like a lot better. Do you think it's just because of that, or is there anything else you did differently? I would say just it's, it's kind of like getting used to it as well, just because I had done it once before. And the thing is, like, to give context to the people that are listening here, I, I did public speaking before, but it was like four years ago, right? It was a, it was before Tori Hacker. That was like my first proper one since we started Tori Hacker. And so I feel like you do lose quite a bit of it if you don't practice it. And recording videos is very, very different from public speaking. But it also comes back really quickly after you've done it. So it's like, uh, I think... The level of improvement that comes even from your second round is, is massive. But one thing I did as well when I was like not super happy with my performance is I actually got 
people who are better speakers than me just attend my talks and take notes and give me feedback. So Shane from Thrive Teams and a few other people actually sat in my talks and took notes and gave me a debrief feedback of 10, 15 minutes after the talks so that I can fix the next one even more. So overall, yeah, just asking for help to people is is also really useful because you really don't see yourself. And it's like in my head, everything's clear because I know the content so well because I've prepared it so much. But you will tend to go faster over the things that you think are obvious when they're not necessarily obvious for your audience. I think as well, there's there's a couple other things you can do to practice joining something like Toastmasters, which is a public speaking group. They have them in most cities worldwide where you, you go once a week and there's all sorts of exercises about practicing public speaking. I know a lot of people said they, they'd done that. And someone else, forget who it was, um, said they actually practiced giving their presentation at like smaller meetups before the, the, the conference, like in their own city. Was it, was it Matt? Uh, yeah, my dignity. It's like I was telling him like, oh, I wish I did better the first one I did. And he was like, oh, yeah, what I do is I actually pre- do local meetups and I do my presentations I did for the big talks and I do it two or three times. And that helps. And I can definitely see that seeing the progress over just doing it two or three times. Actually. Yeah, yeah. It's it's usually quite obvious when someone's you know prepared quite well for it versus something more off the cuff. So I, I think it's definitely worth doing that. All right. I think this is not a podcast on public speaking, but that was interesting. Let's talk about some people that actually attended. I'm just going to give brief examples. And the reason I want to do that is just to show you the various ways through which they got value attending these things. And maybe you identify with one of them and it will tell you whether it's worth it or not. So first one I want to talk about is uh, Jason Mallon, who is an HPro member from really early days. So he runs authority sites, but he also has a link building service. So he uses... Actually, a lot of our stuff in HPro to run a link building service, it's like five figures a month is doing well. But one thing that uh, he, one issue that he has is he's very introverted and he needs to improve in people's management. So actually he was, he became a really good friend with one of the speakers. I mean, I think they knew each other a bit before online called Mads, who is like a management uh, consultant. I think we put his link in the, in the show notes. But essentially what it allowed him to do is actually to, do as we were going through conferences do one-on-one coaching with him face to face and i think on top of the events that was like really good value for him and also when we hang out i gave him a few tips and tricks on things we do for link building that maybe you cannot find anywhere else that will probably help improve his uh, link building service and overall i think just these two things together were like the most value he got out of the conferences plus just networking with people etc i was actually talking with him last night and he just got back to he lives in ireland and we also talked about tax optimization with him actually i think that's going to save him a lot of money so i think that's another way that is going to be good for him then i want to talk about ben i cannot say his family name Zivulski, who runs a crossfit authority site called wordprep.com yep wordprep yeah, uh, so you can check it out. And and so he's like, you know, really big into CrossFit. And he knows a bit of online marketing, but he's not as nerdy as I would be. And uh, I was hanging out a lot with Hannah from Thrive Teams as well. And we're really nerdy about talking about funnels. And so he was just hanging out with both of us. And we gave him a lot of tips. Like, for example, one of the things he didn't do is he didn't have an opt-in pop-up on his website. So I was like, we literally told him everything he needs to set up. And 
what he did is, I think he's met with Hannah later and they just they literally set it up together. And now he's getting way more leads to his business. He has product launches. He has all of that. So that's going to translate into more money than he spent just going for these conferences. So that's one thing. He just got to hang out with us at the events. We just noted out on optimizing funnels, etc. And that got him a lot of value. I guarantee you he'd be making more money than he spent uh, going to conferences. Then we got Jeng Peng. I can't say his family name as well. He, we do just call him JP. He's one of the early HPro members as well. He has a, he's making mid five figures a month with his authority side, so he's doing quite well. And one thing he's looking for is someone to help him expand his business. And so like essentially we were talking and he was like, oh, I want to find uh, someone like uh, you, something like you and Mark have basically. We talked a lot about this. And he was like, oh, how do I find a co-founder? I was like, don't ask me. We just got drunk together and now we're working together for eight years. I have no idea. It's just luck. <laughs> That's a secret. Now that he stopped drinking, it's over. So uh, anyway, so we were talking a lot about this, but what happened is he met a lot of very interesting people going to these conferences. And uh, and I think he has some prospects to, you know, for people to work with and, and hopefully in the long term that turns out into cool business partnerships. So for him, he's already doing well, but even like uh, someone that can improve his business by 20, 30% would be massive. And I'm pretty sure he met some people that could be doing that with him in the next few years. So that's quite interesting. Finally, I'm going to talk about Kind of like a mascot of Toy Hacker Pro, really, Alex Park. He's been an H Pro member for a long time. First time I met him, even though we talked online for like five years. And he's also doing well with his existing sites, but he wants to expand his portfolio. And just by letting loose at one of these events, despite the fact I was not drinking, uh, I gave him some pretty cool niche ideas that uh, if I shared publicly, uh, like I cannot because like everyone would just go into that and I would kill it. But because of that context, I was able to give him some, and I'm sure he got value from other things. I'm not just not sure, but just that if he builds sites in a couple of niches we talked about, then I think he's gonna do well, and you know it's gonna be worth it for him to go to conferences and hang out with people. So let's go for the conclusion of this podcast. Just just before we do, I think we need to talk a little about the costs of of this because we skipped. Oh yeah, true. Go for it. We've gone through many benefits, but it's not free to go to these these conferences. It's it costs time, it costs money, and also energy as well. You lose a lot of sleep, especially if they're they're in faraway lands and you you don't use the time shifter app. But in general, there's three main costs here. There's the ticket itself, and this the price varies a lot. Usually, it costs several hundred dollars. Some conferences charge in the you know upwards of that in like in the thousands. Some are even free, like Brighton SEO uh, in the UK is a very famous one. They offer a certain a certain number of free tickets, I believe. It's not just the case of like buying a ticket. In most cases, there are upsells from that. So sometimes an upsell will be the the masterminds, which we talked about. You may have to pay for that separately. Sometimes it's actually included in the conference. Often there'll be different tiers of conference tickets. So you have, you know, a platinum version or a VIP ticket, and they offer additional benefits such as sometimes they're not really that great. I think like you get to sit at the front of the, you get to sit at the front of the hall, you get maybe slightly nicer seating, uh, you know, the VIP lunch, these these kind of things, honestly, not that worth it, in, in my opinion, at least. Some of them, though, you get to do like dinners with speakers or so, I think DMSS had like a retreat with the speakers, something like that. Was that right? There was, a, I mean, it was an, a separate upsell, but yeah, there was like a four day networkation, they called it. It was really good, actually. I quite, I, it's probably the part I enjoyed the most of DMSS. It was just 
more of these casual talks and less structure stuff, basically. Yeah, so you know, you have to weigh up the pros and cons of each one. Some things like that may be worth it. Some things maybe less so. In some conferences, I've heard that they actually, once you're there, they try and upsell you hard on things like elite, ma- you know, five-figure masterminds and other events. Tony Robbins is quite famous for for doing this kind of stuff. I think it makes sense because these events are really expensive to organize. And so the tickets just cover the costs mostly. Yeah. So if they don't upsell, they don't make a lot of money from these from these events. I also wanted to say something about the VIP ticket. I do think that there's a level of like social status that comes with like a VIP ticket. So it's like we were joking that we have like peasants tickets for the <laughs> Chiang Mai SEO conference because we just got the standard one. And we were joking about this with Tim, but it's true like, especially in a market where you're like it's very flashy let's be honest like people like to show off a bit and so um yeah there's a degree of social status just having vip written on your ticket or whatever so it's also something that comes with it i'm not 100 percent convinced by that but okay (laughs) i'm sure there's a level of social status that comes with it okay The other main cost is actually transportation to get there. If you live in the city where the conference is, great. If not, then most likely you're going to have to buy a flight. All these three conferences were in Southeast Asia, in Bangkok, Chiang Mai, which is in Thailand, and in Bali, Indonesia. So for us, that's a 12-something hour flight from from Budapest to, to get there. I think I ended up taking three flights to get to Chiang Mai. So it's not simple, usually. If you come from the US to Asia, it's even further. And cost a flight's not that crazy expensive, you know, for a, if you book in advance for a, the cheapish economy one, you know, you can spend more money on business class and whatnot. Usually if you plan in advance, you can do some deals, you can find some deals. And if you're spending a lot of money on your business credit card, as I know some people, especially in the US do, you get crazy miles and then you can fly first class for free basically so have a look at the points guy and other sites for for stuff like that but yeah it's a definite cost that you have to sort of factor in as i said it's usually worth arriving two or three days before the conference so it gives you time first of all to get past any jet lag you have but also to like attend the meetups and sort of events prior to it as well it also sort of remember this is a business expense for most people and although it's definitely not a holiday like we were kind of quote unquote working every day whether that be networking or or doing something every day for work i don't think i went to the swimming pool once in chiang mai actually yeah i mean at the end of the day you're going to a tropical resort staying in a five-star hotel talking about something like meeting people who are interesting talking about stuff something you're interested in it's like it's kind of fun as well so you, you do get value out of that as a even though it is a is a company expense. I can see how if you're going to 15 of these a year, that may kind of, the, the benefit of that may dwindle slightly. But, you know, this is definitely something something in that as well. And I think the other thing is to say is around accommodation. So most of them, most conferences are built around a hotel. Most big hotels or many big hotels have conference facilities, big rooms that are capable of handling this. I think the Meridian Hotel in Chiang Mai was probably the only hotel in the city that has a large enough conference hall to, to see everybody. So it made sense to sort of be there. And a lot of people who were attending the conference were staying there or staying very close by uh, at, at, at least. Often the, because these are fancier hotels, I think Mer- the Le Meridian was five-star hotel. 
it's Chiang Mai, so it's not actually super expensive. It's much cheaper than you'd pay in uh, certainly anywhere in Europe or the US. How much was it? I can't remember. It was less than, I think it was less than $100 a night for a room in the hotel, including breakfast. And it was it was super nice. Like the the view from the room was cool. Like the it was, it was pretty new. I liked that hotel a lot actually. I don't think you liked the Conrad one in Bangkok quite as much though. Nah, I don't think it was worth it at all. Um, I, the thing is like, it's like when I, before I went, you were like, oh, everyone's staying in the hotel. You should be staying there, breakfast stuff, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I did find that most people don't stay in the hotel actually. I would say like 35, 40% of people stay at the hotel. Yeah, but. I would say the rest of people stay somewhere around. And often these like hotels that have huge conference rooms, they're like massively more expensive than anything around. I'm not saying like, I'm just saying like, if you want to go to a conference and you're a bit on a budget, I would not stay at a conference hotel. I would take an Airbnb or I would take a cheaper hotel. I mean, Bangkok was a really good example, right? The Conrad, it's like, it's a fancy hotel, but it's not very new. It's old school American style with like a lot of wood in the room, etc. Like I, I didn't find it very modern, basically. And there was a hotel, like literally on the other side of the parking, called the Indigo Hotel. I think that costs almost half the price and is like actually way nicer. And because going to go to a conference room, you had to take the elevator in the Conrad, whereas you could just walk in from outside. At the time at which the talks were starting, there was a huge traffic jam in the elevator. So actually, it would be faster to go from the other hotel to the conference room than it would be to go from a room inside the hotel to the conference room. And that paired together with the fact that you can just walk in the lobby anyway, that you meet a lot of people in the corridors between talks. And so you can organize still like dinner plans, breakfast plans, etc. And or buy the breakfast at that hotel if you want to, if you absolutely want to show up for the breakfast one or two times. I feel like in some cases, it wasn't worth it. In other cases, it was really worth it. In Bali, the hotel was absolutely amazing and really not that expensive. It kind of depends on the conference. I would literally just go on a Facebook group of whatever conference you're going to and ask people what they think. Yeah, I, I know it's a DCBKK. Sometimes they have like groups and stuff for people that want to share a room and stuff. So you can kind of cut the cost that way. But as you said, in Bangkok, there's so much accommodation, Airbnb and other hotels. It's not really a problem to find something. Yeah, it was really expensive compared to anything around as well. Like really, like I could have cut my cost of the conference in almost half if I elected to take something else. So what I'm saying is if someone someone is is more on a budget, you can still get pretty much like 95% or 90% of the value of the conference at half the price, which can be worth it for I'm a big fan of conference hotels purely for the kind of meet just meeting random people in the lobby, random impromptu meet meets in the in the lift even at the pool at the bar back in the day of course and at breakfast time especially seems to be where you kind of meet a lot of people and just connect kind of that means you're not you're not walking hard enough between talks because i was always i always had plans as well without having to do that you know well we, we can't all be uh fancy speakers <laughs> I'm so I'm sorry. Anyway, let's let's wrap this up, guys. So it's quite interesting what we're saying in this podcast, right? Because I think most conferences sell you on the talks, and that's kind of like the front end of uh, of the conference. Like, oh my god, this guy's gonna talk. This guy's gonna talk. And what we're saying is, yeah, it's kind of good, but we don't think it's the best value you get from the conferences. I'd personally rather skip a, most talks and turn up 
really, really motivated and really high energy at most social events. I feel you and just hang out between talks. I feel I get more value personally. It might be different if you're a beginner and you, you don't know everything we do, though. So something to take in mind as well. What I'm saying is there might be better ways to consume that content online. Even if you're an introvert, you should definitely push yourself to talk to people, say hi. People literally paid their own money to go to a place and say hi to people. So if you say hi, it's expected and nobody's going to blow you out or something. So you'll be okay. I think also, like, do you want to talk about the big wins we got from it? I think in ter- if you're trying to quantify the value you, you gain from it, you, it's definitely a good idea to, to go in with the mentality that you want to get something tangible out of it that you can go in and bring back and be sort of consciously aware that you, you want to be doing something like that because it's quite easy to just go along and especially if you're a bit more introverted, just go to some of the talks, go to some of the meetups, feel good and come back and then not really have any actionable takeaways. We were really like kind of hard on ourselves to find value in it. And we, so a couple of years ago at DCBKK, the first one I went to, I had this at the back of my mind and, you know, I found one affiliate who was promoting authority hacker products after that. And that alone more than covered, you know, several times over the the, the cost of the, the the trip. And so you can really find like a lot of, ba- a lot of value from one big win. At this year at uh, Chiang Mai SEO, we actually hired a videographer day after the conference and did some filming for uh, testimonials because a lot of uh, a lot of our customers, a lot of you guys uh, in Authority Hacker Pro and the Authority Site system were there and had good things to say and were kind enough to give us your time and say say what you thought about our products on on camera. So we we filmed that that alone. We haven't published it yet or done any editing because there's quite a lot of footage. But that alone, I know, is going to to be worth much more than the the cost of of going to that conference was in itself in terms of sales page optimization and conversion and stuff like that. So, I think looking for big wins can really can really help kind of justify the cost of the the conference quite quickly if you can if you can achieve just one thing. Yeah, I think also it, it, that's the thing. You get a couple quick wins, but it really depends how much is going to impact your business. I don't think your business is going to change completely from showing up at a conference. You should not expect that. But if you if something like a 10 or 15% improvement can to your business can pay for the trip, then it's worth it. If you are too small, and so that's really the question, like how early should you start attending these kind of events? And in my notes, I've written as someone that makes at least three to five thousand, three thousand five hundred to five thousand dollars per month. If you're not making at least this much from your site, I would probably not show up for conferences. I would focus on your business. I would say also that online courses are probably better value for money before that, because what you get from the conference is just not going to make a big enough impact on your business to make it worth it. But once you start getting bigger, once you start making five figures, six figures, etc., like it's going to start making sense for you to to do these things because, as I said, the five ten percent improvement will more than pay for the trip. So as a result, you get a return on investment. So that's kind of my thing. Don't go too early, but after a while, you can because of all these tiny things that we talked about, you're going to start getting the value you need to justify the trip. I also think that it's a great way to build a social circle. So there's a lot of people that I met there that I now talk to almost daily on like Facebook or whatever. And these people will give you ideas, they share stuff they do. You can ask them questions when you have a problem. I know we had a problem with like Facebook ads for a while. And because of a connection I've made there, I was able to just show him our stuff and he helped us 
troubleshoot that stuff and it saved us a lot of money. So that's kind of an example of value that you can get from it. I think another thing that we didn't really talk about is the motivation boost you get from it. So you'll see people doing really, really well at these events. And what that does is that makes you want to do equally well. And that's just like, oh my God, there's all these things I can do and all this stuff in front of me and all these new tactics I've taken from talking to people, etc. And eventually it's going to give you a motivation boost. I know when I came back, I started working right away because I had high motivation coming from all these events. So that was really, um, that was really cool, actually. So I would also say like staying in these nice hotels can be cool as well. Like uh, I definitely enjoyed some of it. At the end, I was a little bit sick of uh, hotel breakfast every morning. It's really nice, but when you get it every day, sometimes you just want something very plain and boring. So if you want to make fun and, and business together, it's kind of worth it as well. But now I guess the question mark is, are we going to do it again next year? Probably, yeah. Again, I would probably shorten my trip even if I was there for two weeks. I'd probably like just go for the the. the- the conference and then fly directly home probably the day afterwards a day or two after that because even by the end of it i was like kind of wanting to get back and do some work to be honest can you imagine five weeks yeah yeah <laughs> so you, i mean yours is an interesting one because you had like three talks like one at the start one in the middle one at the end of that i know you hate flying but like do you think it would have make sense to like come back for a week in between them or anything no, I don't think so. I think it's better to just, it's cheaper and better to just rent a nice Airbnb that feels homey and not have like, because the jet lag would be insane, you know, if you add up all these things. So I don't think so. I think it, you might as well just spend the money you spend on a plane ticket in better accommodation and find a place where you feel good for like a week or two between these events and just stay there. I wouldn't really suggest going to three conferences in a row. Like if you're not speaking or, you know, you haven't been to many before, like just pick one you want to go to most and go to that. And then after that, decide if you want to go to other ones in future. Another thing I want to say, there's definitely an audience overlap. So there's a lot of people I would see at every conference, you know. And so that also exacerbates what you just said, which is you don't need to go to all of them. If you go to one or two, you'll meet 80% of the people that will show to the next three. I wouldn't bother going to this many, actually. Anyway, I think that's going to wrap up this podcast episode. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find all the show notes on autorihacker.com slash R conferences worth it. Always a dash between. So R dash conference dash worth dash it. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. I know we've changed the cover image to that podcast. I know it's a bit confusing, but that's part of our rebranding. So don't forget to subscribe. And if you enjoyed it, feel free to drop a review on iTunes or any platform you're using. Thank you. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Authority Hacker Podcast. If you enjoyed this show, don't forget to rate us on iTunes and send us a screenshot on authorityhacker.com slash bonus to claim your free premium Authority Hacker training.